worshipping you, Almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do, and I give you the praise for you. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I am your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. I hope, you know, things are great. Um, I I think I like where I am with the Lord right now. I'm sorry, this is one of those days I'm just going to jump right into it. I'm not going to talk too much of a preamble. But if this is your first time on this podcast, thank you for dropping in, stopping in. This is where I talk about um, my relationship with God, faith, life, and love. If you happen to drop in by, then I believe God wanted you to be here. Um, I believe in God. I believe in the scriptures. I believe in the Bible. This is a daily musing. It's just something to remind me, us about God, and just generally sharing my journey with God, with anyone that God brings by. So I just sang that song, which is, um, I think, one of the songs... In Ron Canoli's early um, albums, I worship you, Almighty God. I give you praise because you're my righteousness. I worship you, Almighty God. There is no one like you. There is none like you. And it, the song just bubbled up in my spirit, like actually, like literally, like two minutes ago. Just in fact, if you just before I let's just say the song came to me and I started recording. And um, it's one of those worship songs that I really, really liked many years ago because it's captured the essence of how I feel about God and what he means in my life, you know. It says, I worship you, there is no one like you, you know. I give you praise because you are my righteousness. I worship you, almighty God, there is no one like you. It's it's funny how the best worship songs are actually the most simple ones, you know, the ones that really, like, a five-year-old can sing because literally very simple very profound, very meaningful, very impactful. It says there is no one like you. And I think, you know, it's a very valid, you know, verse of praise. Just just acknowledging that there is no one like God, that he's 
one of a kind you know what i say I, and i know we use that word very loosely we say oh she's one of a kind she's one of a kind there really there is nobody that is really one of a kind apart from god it's only god everyone else i know there's some people that are really remarkable and quite unique and actually okay so let me rephrase that god has actually made all of us unique um and i guess that's why we all have individual fingerprints even twins have different fingerprints so i guess in that sense because we are created in the image and the likeness of god each of us is somehow is like one of a kind but then God's one of a kind is like the highest of one of a kind, if you know what I mean. And actually, that's a piece of revelation that the Holy Spirit just dropped in there. Because it's true, actually. God is one of a kind, but he's made all of us one of a kind. The problem is that we all try to be copies of somebody else. And we forget, we don't realize that the fact that God gave us individual fingerprints shows us that no matter how many people he, ha- he is on the earth, first of all, in fact, from oh, don't just like, get me started, the fact that we have unique fingerprints and that to the to our best of our knowledge no fingerprint has ever been repeated despite the billions of people that have lived just goes to show you that anybody that tells you that there is no intelligent design behind the creation of human beings is just being i don't know disingenuous facetious i mean i i wish my english fails me you're just being dishonest or you're just you just honest i mean it's just a it just it's just a cop out out of trying to deal with the fact that actually there may actually be intelligent design behind us and a god that we cannot see and god forbid i would actually hold us accountable for the things that we do on this earth you know it's just next level vulnerability to actually acknowledge that or to have to acknowledge that there is actually some being that we cannot see that actually created us and that we're not as in control of our lives and our destiny as we would like to think. Anyways, that was a bit of a digression. But God is actually one of a kind. So when you when you sing that song, there is no one like him. For me, it, it, it is true because really the role he plays in my life, no one else can play that role. And I say that because I have tried to put other people in the, put people in that role and it failed horribly. I even tried to put myself, in fact, I think I, I did try to put myself more in that role, in the place where God should be. And you may wonder, what do I mean by that? I mean, it's in that situation where you trust your mind, you trust yourself, your emotions, your intellect. You put your own wishes first, you know. Um, yeah, I think I was in that space for a very long time, even though... If you asked me, I would say, oh, God is first in my life. But in practice, that wasn't what I was doing. I was putting myself first. And I made it very clear to God that I love you. You know, you're my father. You saved me. I know that you're God and all of that. But, you know, there were boundaries. You know, I put boundaries between God and myself. And there were things he just, I, you know, I felt I could handle by myself. So I sort of like left certain things for him to handle. And God, you know, very respectful and you know how God is. He left me. And so I made some really horrible mistakes in my years, in my 20th years. I mean, mistakes that, you know, there's nothing worse than mistakes that you have to live with for the rest of your life. I made one of those type of mistakes. And uh, just the weight of that kind of mistake really held me. Oh, wow. I was very sober in my 30s. I was... I was ruling under the weights of that mistake. And for a very long time, I couldn't forgive myself for having made that mistake because it was a part of my life that I shouldn't have gambled with. But I didn't even know I was gambling. I just I just didn't know. 
I just didn't know. And it's not as if I hadn't been warned, I haven't been told. But I trusted what I shouldn't have trusted. And, you know, I didn't trust God and his counsel enough. And I, pay, I paid the price, you know. And, and when people, you know, the, the, the law of karma, you know, when people talk about it, even though they call the name karma, the Bible talks about it, that whatever a man sows, he will reap. You know, it's, it's so true. It's so true. And even though the mercy of God is available, you know, the Lord has already put a principle in place that as while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not cease. He said this in the book of, I think it was in Genesis, in the early days. I think after the, I think it was after the creation of the earth or so. And he made that principle. He says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. It's for that reason that we have flowers, we have seasons, you know, we grow grains and, you know, nations like Ukraine can plant wheat and feed the entire world. We didn't know that there were some countries that were actually feeding the entire world, but now we know. You know, and, um, yeah, so the, the earth, Satan and Harvard, and that Satan and Harvard, Harvest happens both physically in terms of physical seeds and also spiritually in terms of things that we do. So it happens emotionally, it happens intellectually. So, you know, if you're running a PhD program or a master's program or you're going to school or you're in kindergarten or whatever, or you're learning to read, the time that you spend learning to read will eventually, you know, show up in how much of a reader you are. The time you spend, you know, on trying to understand math, the, the, the hours you spend on homework, eventually shows in how well you understand, you know, this math and how well you're able to apply it to your life or into other subjects as you go on. It's exactly the same thing, whether it's coding you're learning, whatever it is, you're in medical school, or you're learning biology or fashion design or learning how to make a car, how to repair a car or whatever it may be, or you're learning how to bake a cake. Really, you know, everything is about input and output and that's really what that scripture is telling us about. And um, so I, I, I went through this situation and yeah, so I, I paid the price for my disobedience but after that then I then realized after my 30s that you know by the by 40s I became very sober <laughs> of course I was I was I was sober and in a very bad place I think in 30s in my 30s although yeah I was I was in it. I was working I was functioning I was doing life but oh life was horrible because I realized you know when you know that horrible feeling when you know that you made a mistake if you've ever been on all of those long haul trains that don't stop anywhere, you know you know what it must be like when you find out you that sinking feeling when you find out you're on the wrong train. <laughs> and the next stop is very far away. And you just know you've missed the opportunity of your lifetime. You got off on the wrong stop. You know, I mean you got to the wrong train. Is is the most devastating feeling and yeah, so that was what my 30s were like. And I was, you know, so I had to spend, you know, my entire 30s coming to terms with the fact that I was on the wrong train. And it would be a long time before I could get off, if at all I could. So coming to terms with that, forgiving myself for putting myself in that position, that was what my 30s was like. So by, by 40s, I was ready to begin to accommodate, <laughs> you know, a more purposeful relationship with God, if you know what I mean. I, I had seen, I, you know, for a long time I wished I could 
roll back the clock but you know it just doesn't happen that way that means you know there's this prayer the serenity prayer about god grant me the wisdom to know the things that i can change the um courage to change the things that the wisdom to know the things i cannot change the courage to change the things that i can and the wisdom to know the difference you know or is it the serenity anyway it's called the serenity prayer but yeah so that wisdom to know the things the serenity to know the things you cannot change for me that was a, a big struggle for me just realizing that wow i can't do anything about this and that's when you really start becoming an adult because you then realize that most people parents a lot of people they, they give up on their dreams you know you take the wrong turn and you realize this is your life this is it and um you know a, a major part of becoming an adult is realizing that this is this is this is this is this is my life now it's not what i dreamed it's not what i wanted but yeah this is what i have this is where i'm at so where do i go from here what do i do you know um so anyways so that was a pretty sober, sober time for me so in the 40s i was ready to come back to the lord and just be like okay god maybe i think i now realize the limitations of my mind i am very smart but i think in some things i can be very stupid and foolish and i think that's because i can't see the future i don't know what's in other people's minds i do not understand what goes on behind the scenes and i am not that smart as smart as i thought i was so in my 40s I, my relationship with the lord changed and then i started sort of like putting him let's just say it changed i became i i became more careful about walking ahead of him so i started learning how to walk at his own pace and to do things because he asked me to do it and before taking any major step bringing him to the forefront of it yeah my 50s was therefore so i did that 40s i actually made a five-year covenant with him my 40s to 45 and he he used that for his purpose typically what he's been doing is whenever when i made those covenants he would just move me and he would move me into either different change my jobs or my location or you know he just moved me into spaces and um i would go even though it would be outside of my comfort zone but because we now had that a basis in fact i think it's we, were, we had entered into sort of like a partnership so and it was not a partnership based on what i wanted but a partnership based on what he 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 thinks is best for me you know so there was a bit of trust there blind trust which was different from how i've been working with him before then and um so yeah and then by my 50s i had seen enough you know i had seen enough i also yeah i'd seen enough and then you know some things happened in fact let's just say i'd seen enough so by the 50s i have fully and then i had a, a bit of an experience from you know my 50s let's just say so my 50s the last two years have been quite um challenging and um i think it was a lot it's a good i think the lessons i learned in the last two years i thank god that he didn't he waited this long for me to learn them because i don't think i would have been able to deal with it be before now 
I think um I don't think I would have been able to deal with it before now. But even now, I think God just helped me. And so now I understand so much more than I did before. I understand. I understand more about life, about the world that we have found ourselves in, the way the world is structured, you know, with the devil just running riot and doing things. And how we as Christians should live in this earth, knowing that this is a flawed and imperfect world and not expecting it to reward us in a way that is incapable of rewarding. And knowing that in this life there will be challenges, there will be difficulties. And even though God can and will protect us from a lot of it, we will not be shielded from everything in, in, in its entirety because that's just the way the world is. We're not in heaven. And we should not also seek to be insulated from the struggles in the world because the struggles in the world are part of the refiner's fire that we need to go through to, you know, to, 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 to get to the place of Humility and obedience with the Lord. I, I, and I'm not going to try and explain that too much. I'm not saying... I mean, the fact, scriptures just shows that suffering was a part of... is part of working with Christ. In fact, Christ and Peter referred a lot to the sufferings, um, sufferings in Christ, partaking of the sufferings with Christ, and his persecution for the sake of the gospel. So challenges, difficulties, things will happen because you believe in God. I mean, if you... if I have never been persecuted for my faith in Christ, either by directly or indirectly. Then clearly I'm not a Christian. I mean, that's what it means. So in the days of the apostles, they, they, whenever they were persecuted for the sake of their, their faith, they rejoiced because they knew that, that that was a sign that they were doing something right. You know what I'm saying? And it it, it shows that they were approved of God and disapproved by the kingdom of darkness. So, but today we we have lost touch of all of that largely and people see persecutions and sufferings as, you know, an indication that something is wrong with a person's life. No, it's not it doesn't mean so. I'm not saying everything that happens that is bad is a suffering of Christ. It may not be. It may not be. But then not everything that is bad is a an indication that there is something wrong in someone's life. It may just be wickedness in the world, you know. It may also just be persecution against the children of God. It may just it may also be somebody partaking in the sufferings of Christ. We don't know. So and I think when the Bible says endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ, I'm quoting all the scriptures I don't I'm not even sure which of the books that one is. I think it's in Thessalonians, I think, or one of them, one of the epistles. Why would um, the Spirit of the Lord, by speaking by Paul, tell us to endure hardness if he didn't know that this world was going to be hard? In fact, Jesus said it that in this world you will have tribulation. You know what tribulation means? Tribulation is, is much more than having a bad day. Tribulation is tumultuous disturbing, despairing, in fact, turbulent, destructive, poisonous, overwhelming, 
challenging, oppressive, mind-blowing, debilitating. I mean, any more verbs, you know. That's what he means. That's tribulation. Tribulation is the mother of all bad days. He says that's what we will have in this world. But he says, in me, you will have peace. And that is it. And what, you know, when, when, when Jesus says things like that, what he's saying is he's drawing the distinction between the spirit, the soul, and the body. Because in me, that in me is talking about spirit, being in him spiritually and also in the soul by having our minds washed by the word of God and cleansed by the power of his spirit. But as a physical fact, we will face those persecutions, oppressive situations, sufferings, trials, tribulations, oppressions of all kinds. But that he says, if we hide ourselves in him, in spirit, in soul, in mind, in emotions, in thoughts, in prayers, in meditations, in fastings, in, you know, in reading the word, in illumination, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, praise, worship, singing spiritual songs. If we hide ourselves in him, we will have peace. The peace that only him can give. No one else, one of a kind. So, these are things I didn't fully understand when I was much younger. I didn't fully understand them. I think I, funny enough, I think I understood it more as a teenager. But by the time we got into our 20s and 30s and this whole happy, feel good, oh, lucky, you know, aspect of Christianity that we have, we see today where, bless me Christianity, that's what I used to call it. When bless me Christianity took over, we lost touch. I and several others, I think around us, around me, we all lost touch of what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is a soldier of Christ, is a cross bearer someone who denies himself, takes up his burdens, his, the burdens of Christ, and follows in the paths of the master. He's someone, he or she is someone who is committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the kingdom of God, to the purpose of the Lord, and to the spirit of God. He or she is someone who is not given to materialism, who knows that they are just passing through this earth. And that this earth is but a stepping stone to a greater life. And that our role on earth is to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We stand up for truth, for holiness and righteousness, even against our own personal interests. We speak up for truth. Our life is an example of a believer in word, in deed, in faith, in purity. We live a life that shows forth the power of God. We live a life that shows forth the light of God. We live a life that shows forth the love of Christ. Anybody that comes in contact with us experiences God on earth, experiences heaven on earth, experiences Christ on earth. Christ in us is the hope of glory. We live and we breathe the Lord Jesus Christ and his power. Because as we receive in him our hearts, we allow him to change us. As he changes us, we behold him. As we behold him, we become more like him. As we become more like him, others see him in us, through us. And we do not live a life chasing after the things of the world. We keep ourselves unspotted from the carnality that is in the world. 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, at the deceitfulness of riches. I think one day I'm going to do a musing about the deceitfulness of riches and why the pursuit, the mindless pursuit of wealth is so evil and is not something that we should do. And that whole concept of Abraham's blessings are mine. It is not New Testament thinking. Because in the New Testament, the blessings of Abraham that we have is the blessings of faith. It's not the blessings of material. I'm not saying we, God is not saying we're going to be blessed, but that's not the focus of the New Testament believer. The focus of the New Testament believer is that all men be saved and that they come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what God wants. He did not keep us on earth to bless us. It, that's not why we are kept on earth so that all men will be saved and they will come to the knowledge of the truth. We are in that redemption phase where the gospel of Christ is the blessing. That is it. It is the blessing. But I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, so there is no one like him. No one like him at all. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.